Hello, welcome to episode one of Maggie's Musings, the podcast. I decided to keep the name from the Snapchat slash Instagram miniseries I had because why waste a perfectly good name? I mean, like, it's got alliteration. It's got the perfect amount of syllables. Like, it's it's literally the perfect name. You can't tell me otherwise. But I decided to turn it into a podcast because... Well, for starters, Instagram stories get kind of boring when I'm just rambling on and on. So I try to keep them short, but that's just not enough time to say everything I have to say, you know? So I have this um, platform now to go at length, uninterrupted. I just have um, a lot of thoughts up in the noggin, and I want to get them out into the world Maybe maybe I can finally sleep at night if I'm not, <laughs> if the thoughts aren't all stuck in there, you know? So this is really more for me than you, but thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I just want you to know that you are now an honorary friend. You are listening to me complain, so that makes you my friend. And I mean, the whole thing won't be complaining. I'm, I'm thinking of touching on a lot of different topics, whatever whatever comes to mind, um, all the interesting stuff, you know, sex, politics, philosophy, or at least all the things I find interesting. But for this first episode, I, I have been thinking about the concept of identity politics and how it started off with good intentions, obviously, like a lot of things do. But now I feel like it's it's lost its way a little bit. So identity politics, the idea that that marginalized and disenfranchised groups uh, come together and form political uh, alliances, political cohorts, essentially trying to progress the interest of that group a great idea so you know black people come together try to further the the fight for black liberation um women came together for you know feminist needs and and it's a good it's a good idea but the execution of it now or at least the philosophy of it has now become a little tainted in the sense that it has become a grab for power. Well, all politics is a grab for power and status. And there isn't necessarily anything wrong with that. I have my own ideas on power and status and how it relates to people. Namely, that I feel like people should not have power because we cannot be trusted with it. But that's another, that's another topic. The idea now of identity politics has become getting well there's still a solid foundation that's good but there are proponents who i think are the loudest voices of these movements who are trying to get members of those disenfranchised groups and those marginalized groups into positions of power and that is how they see liberation for those groups coming about and it makes sense when you think about it, because if you have, you know, someone from that group now in power, they have the power to help that group. It's it's a great idea, 
but it's flawed in the fact that you are trying to get people into these institutions, these systems of power that were not designed to help them. So you get them into those positions, but that doesn't change the position itself. The only thing that changes is the face of the person in the position. But the system itself remains the same. So although you have someone who looks like you there, doesn't mean that they can now help you. And in in fact, a lot of the times, they do not want to help you. (laughs) They essentially kind of lose their way a little. But it's not really their... I don't put it on the individual so much. Like it is, there is individual responsibility. But when you come into these systems, you now become a part of the system. You now think like the system. You now operate like the system. So you might have meant well. But because that system was not designed for people like you, it can't really be used to help people like you. So you get people into, let's go with the highest position of, well, it's debatable, but classically speaking, the highest position of power in this country would be the president. So you get someone from a disenfranchised group into the presidency, but you don't see any improvement for that group now that that person is in power. So a clear-cut case of this, I think really only the only case of it we have so far because all of our presidents are very white, very, they're men. Um, They are the, you know, ideal of who the systems were created for. They were created for rich white men. And until Obama, it was all rich white men. Um, Not necessarily rich when they went and all the time I think there are a few that were you know fairly normal but of course when they leave they're rich but essentially the system was operating with the people that it was meant for until you got Obama now you have a black man in the highest position in the land and you would think that means that now with the full force or theoretically the full force of the government behind him you can help black people but did life change for black people in those eight years or the years since i mean maybe it can be argued that marginally there were some improvements but overall nothing fundamentally changed which i know is shocking to a lot of people and i feel like is what part of what led to trump i know a lot of people like to think that the country like people are just stupid and and went for a racist because they're all racist and terrible people and I'm I'm sure that's a lot of them but you have to also realize that a lot of the people that voted for Obama ended up voting for Trump so it's not such a clear-cut case that these people were terrible people I think it's more frustration with how the country was after those years because if you campaign on change and hope and you get into power and it turns out there is no change and hope dies, people are desperate. They'll go for the person that's pretending to be a populist, pretending to fight for them. But I digress. Things didn't change because things were not designed 
to change for those people. Like, the only thing that changed was the face of the person running the country. But the country was still run the same way. You still had the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. You got black people being murdered in the streets, being oppressed. Like, you had the country the same. But identity politics would tell us that this is the perfect opportunity for rights of those people to be advanced. So why was that not the case like why why are we still living in the world that we live in you're expecting these systems to be changed from within which just cannot happen and i think someone i forgot who it it might have been an author it might have just been a tweet i don't know but I, i'm like an information sponge i feel like i i have these different ideas i got from the internet and i don't know where they came from but this one was a good one, I thought. It said, I'm paraphrasing here, but <clears throat> it was essentially the idea of having a seat at the table. And people, so people want to have a seat at the table. But this table was built with the blood, sweat, and tears of your ancestors. It is the same table that your ancestors were raped on. So why do you then want to be at that table instead of burning that table down like burn it to the ground that table has rotten bloody history and i know the idea of history being ingrained into things seems a little odd because we we a lot of times we say oh that was in the past as if it has absolutely no bearing on the future that's just not the case the same institutions that were created back then the same ideas behind it are still here today so you're trying to get to this table that was not made for you that was in fact made violently against your ancestors wills and you're expecting that to solve what like the system itself will remain the same Sorry, my nose is getting stuffy. The system will remain the same regardless of who's in charge. So the idea of getting these people into positions of power, it just, it doesn't really... The the practicality of it just isn't right. It doesn't pan out. So you see that with... I feel like currently with the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, we see it a lot. Because these um, black politicians that were put into positions of power to help black people, they have this perfect opportunity where now they can, something simple, defund the police. I'm not going to get into like police brutality and all that in this episode because that's a whole other story. But it's, it's known that there's a problem with policing in America. If you don't see that, then you're just not looking. And the best way to deal with it as is seen right now is defunding the police so as black politicians really all they have to do is say they will defund the police and those in the who have the power to do it actually follow through with it so atlanta's mayor is a black woman someone you would think would be championing championing this yet she she turned around and increased funding for the police. 
But at the same time, within the same time frame that she's painting Black Lives Matter on streets. So you get this very clear-cut case of how just because someone looks like you does not mean that they are fighting for you. I don't know if it's necessarily her fault. I think we underestimate the power of the systems. You go into it and then it just kind of changes you. And I, it's not always very obvious. But I'm sure in her mind she's doing what's best. But to everyone outside, everyone looking in, it's not what's best. And so you get that a lot in politics. And I feel like, you know, I understand how it started. I understand why it seems like a good idea. It's flawed. But what particularly annoys me is how it is used, how it is weaponized to get people to fall in line, essentially. So I I had watched the last Biden versus Bernie debate where in the midst of it Biden very proudly says that he's going to make his VP a woman crowd goes wild this is it's every liberal's wet dream having someone who is seen as as a marginalized group be in a position of power problem with that is what does that do for anyone like why is that so celebrated when you know that his policies aren't necessarily going to be for the betterment of women and especially there's a huge push to make it to make his vp a woman of color he's shown time and time again that he is not fighting for racial equality or racial justice so using that vp pick is a way of essentially quieting dissent because from the outside it now looks like you have someone on your side, right? It looks like you have an in into the power structures. But that person is not going to be for you. And that person is not even going to have the power to be for you, essentially. Like, what does the vice president do? I mean, I'm sure they have more power than I'm thinking of, but like, they are the president's sidekick. They're there to gather more votes. Like you see with past VP picks, it's always very strategic. So you had John McCain picking Sarah Palin because he's he's kind of like a, a quiet, uh, more low energy type guy. So we need to balance that out with like this, I don't know, the only word I can think of is spunky. <laughs> Such a gross word. This spunky woman who was able to to draw people's attention in that's smart you have obama who was well liked but kind of inexperienced as far as politics goes so he went with the older experienced um widely known and respected you know joe biden the fact that he's respected says a lot about politics but anyway (laughs) smart pick so biden picking a woman of color is just another you know strategic move which a lot of politics is just strategic moves but these moves don't help anyone there's just a performance essentially 
so to have it like heralded and and praised it just it's annoying because it sends this idea that that is something we should be heralding and praising and if you're not on board with it then you're just a negative person like take what you can get take what they're giving you which they're giving me less than scraps really because this is not going to change any this is not going to help me in any way but it's all for show it's all for looks which is how i think identity politics is now being used as a tool essentially for white supremacy i know that sounds like a wild statement but let me elaborate if you can get people to stop wanting to change the system stop getting them to demand more by putting people of color in these positions then that allows the system itself that allows the status quo to remain and who does that benefit but white people what does that uphold but white supremacy like it's something that seems like it's fighting white supremacy yet really it's been turned on its head and is now a tool for white supremacy see what i'm saying like it's all very sneaky it's all very clever like i give all politicians i give politicians that credit they have a great way of making it seem like we are in control when we have no control i'm not saying that there's nothing we can do for change but that's that's another issue i'm just specifically the politics of identity is now being used is now being weaponized to maintain the status quo and i even saw like a tweet that was like um i forgot exactly what oh the big banks are now proposing to fight economic inequality that they are or specifically fighting economic inequality as it relates to race they are going to be putting more black people in higher positions like that's absolutely bonkers right that (laughs) you realize how that makes no sense like now you are going to have a few more rich black people who are going to behave in the same manners as the white people to maintain the systems that keep black people poor. But it looks nice. And then another another really, I think, diabolical thing to all of this is it now deflects blame away from the people who should be blamed. Because <clears throat> the systems we have benefit white people, right? They benefit... They uphold white supremacy. But if you put people of color into these positions and things are still the same, things don't get better for those groups, now you have scapegoats from that group to blame. It's like, well, we gave you opportunities. You didn't make the best of it. Why are you not picking yourself up by the bootstraps? And if you don't actually look into the argument, you would think it makes sense. You would think like, yeah, maybe the problem is us. Like, we are running things now, so why are we not doing better? Like, we need to do better. No, that's... No, sweetie, that's not it. You are not actually running things. If even, Sure, you are in those positions. But the power structures remain the same, and those power structures are against you. 
you don't actually have power because people that look like you have power. And I think it's even true for white people. Let's let's talk about white people for a second here. I haven't forgotten you guys. Identity politics was created for marginalized and disenfranchised groups. But I feel like it's honestly taken a life of its own. <clears throat> where it's now you have you have these disenfranchised groups fighting for their own, you know, agendas. But you also have white people who feel they have I mean being white is an identity. A lot of the times in this country, white is a default. So everyone else has, you know, their identity. Everyone else has their culture. Everyone else is subject to race, but white people are not. They are separate. They are the default. Those things do not apply to them. You are other. They are, you know, what is supposed to be. They are the blueprint, essentially. Which we know isn't the case. That's how the country operates, but that's not the case. Like, white people have... Being white is an identity. So now you have identity politics also then being kind of... You have these white people being brought together for their own identity politics. Where it's a reactionary element to these other groups having their identity politics. So it's like, oh... Black people want these special rights. Gay people want these special rights, which is a thing that's used often, special rights. It's not equal rights. They don't see it as equal rights. They see it as you wanting more, right? So then that creates their own battle where they do honestly believe they are being attacked. They believe that they then need to regain power. So not only do you have people of color... Not only do you have black, indigenous, and people of color fighting for this power, getting to positions of power where things don't change for them, so now they can be scapegoated for it, but also they can it can be used as a tool to neutralize dissent because, well, we've given you power, what more do you want? But you also have, on the other side, white people then struggling to reassert their dominance in a way like it's been known that white people will no longer be the majority in decades to come i think that scares a lot of them which honestly i I shouldn't because if you look at south africa being the minority does not mean that you will not be in power that's another thing i think it creates this this dichotomy of sorts where it's us versus them and I mean, getting rid of identity politics is not, you know, the solution to that. And that is not the solution to that system, necessarily, I don't think. And I don't think we should get rid of identity politics. I really don't. I think having things like Black Lives Matter and feminism and, you know, separate or different um, struggles, different social justice battles, essentially, that also intersect a lot of the times, I think that's great. I just... Again, my problem is the execution of it, what the thinking behind it for some of the members of these groups. So I think that should remain. And I don't think like white people being in fear is anything that we should 
adjust ourselves to. But I think we overlook how they are also feeling as if they have, how do I put this? They are also feeling victimized in a way and using the tools that were meant to help disenfranchised people to help themselves instead. So like all good things, it started off good and now, or like many things, it started off good. Now it's being used in multiple ways to harm people. You have, they're being able to scapegoated, they are neutralizing dissent, and now it is being weaponized by the other side. These are a lot of challenging interplays that that happen with identity politics and sticking to the notion that getting to the highest positions possible, putting more people into these positions will solve things. Having more black bankers will not solve economic inequality. It just won't, I'll tell you. But because identity politics, we've now created a, a system where that sounds logical if you're not actually or not that it sounds logical, but someone can say that and keep a straight face. Which is just sad. But do we also think it's sad when people say, let's get a woman in office and then we'll, we'll now further feminism? Or, or was it... Which is another thing. 2016, Hillary Clinton's very strong supporters... I have not forgiven you guys. You, that's a way where you guys weaponized identity, where all criticisms against her were seen as sexism, were seen as misogyny, when in fact a lot of it is valid critiques. And her being a woman did not have much to do with it. I'm not going to say that her being a woman didn't have anything to do with the criticism she was facing. I think a lot of the times, a lot of the things that she was suffering from, or a lot of her image issues came from her being a woman. And I don't necessarily think that the right would have been as, I guess, aggressive in their their fight against her if she wasn't a woman, which I guess that's hard to say because they... I don't know if I necessarily noticed that with Biden right now. So, I mean, yeah, being a her being a woman did have a lot to do with the criticism she was getting but that wasn't that wasn't the entire thing like I just hear a lot of people say that that America wasn't ready for a woman president they they hate women so much that they brought Trump in and that just ignores a lot of the other things that were going on like a lot of the the stage was laid out for Trump like perfectly so to say that the sole concern was her being a woman, that's just not accurate. And it's honestly a pretty lazy analysis of things, which a lot of anal- a lot of political analyses nowadays are just lazy, I think. Like any any criticism of Biden is you helping Trump. Like that's I don't know, people think in very binary ways now. 
and that's never helpful for anyone. Like, things are more than black and white. Essentially, everything has a gray area. So having this, this concept that that you can't criticize someone from a minority group. I don't really like the term minority group anyway. I don't know what to put in its place. But you can't... The idea that you can't criticize people from groups that aren't given as much power in society because that then makes you a fill-in bigot term. That makes you misogynist or racist. That's just not... That's not a nuanced way of thinking about things and a lot of times it's not true because they're that particular criticism that they are facing does not tie to their identity you know what I mean so anyway I feel like there's um there's some work to be done there like I've said before I definitely think we should stick to like we shouldn't get rid of we shouldn't start thinking of everything as this like the the idea of america is like a melting pot we all have the same culture the same identity the same we all want the same things that's just not an accurate representation of the country and that's just erasing a lot of people's identities so no i don't think that we should get rid of groups or people coming together in groups based on their identity to form or to further the interests of those groups it's not what i'm saying i just think we should be a little smarter about how we go about it and stop being so placated by these simple measures of just having a face that looks like you and representation is definitely important it it inspires people it it shows that this country isn't just for rich white men. But it can also be a way to kind of blanket over the issues. Like, sure, get more people of color into positions of power. But one, make sure that they're actually, you know, good and on your side. <laughs> Because just because Hillary Clinton is a woman, I don't think that she would be fighting for me. So that's not, you know, uh, an argument you can make towards me like, oh, she's a woman. Why would you not vote for her? As if that matters to me all that much. So one, be mindful of the person, not just their identity, but also what they have to say, their policies. But two... Honestly, what was I saying before? <laughs> I know I said one. What was the list I had in my head? Wow, who even knows? Anyway. These um these easy outs don't really service anyone but the white supremacist power structure in place so yes it seems like it's helpful but think about it a little bit deeper and we can see that sometimes it's just not the case and also don't discount people because they don't fit into certain identities you know like the notion that 
just because someone is old and white, just because someone is a man, doesn't mean that they won't fight for women's rights. Just because someone is white doesn't mean they won't fight for racial justice. You don't necessarily have to be a member of that group to help that group. So if it's a fight between someone who's not in the group but will fight for the group and someone who is part of the group but definitely will not fight for the group, then it should be a clear-cut case. You should not be using their identity as a way to try to shame people to vote for them or shame people to support them. Like if identity politics, if identity was everything, I would have thrown my full support behind Kamala Harris. Like, why would I as a black woman not want a black woman president? But I am able to realize the nuances of it that just because she is the closest to looking like me does not mean she was the one fighting for me. Why does my nose keep getting stubby? Does not mean that she was, you know, my champion. So move past, consider identity and things, but don't make it the whole thing. So that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, Let me know if I left out any important points. Uh, my name is on instagram is maggie on mars tell me if you hated what i had to say or if you liked what i had to say or if you just want to say hi i'll accept it or what you want me to talk about next or if you think that i should quit this i don't see my i don't i don't know who knows what will happen but yeah thanks for listening um I might listen back to this and decide I hate it, so you might never hear this anyway. We'll see. I think there's one final point I wanted to say. It's so hard to remember. You have these ideas, but they're not organized, you know? Ugh. Yeah, I think I'll just, just end it there. Remember, a seat at the table. It's not necessarily what we should be striving for. But I also understand operating within the systems we have. And just like a quick point, these extend past just government roles. I know I mostly focused on that, but there is politics in general, just the the quest for, the struggle for power and status extends beyond just the government. It's in any type of institution you have, like academics has politics your your job your workplace has politics like anywhere where there is power to be had there is politics so also look at how identity politics plays a role in those places in those positions because i'm sure when you look at it closely you'll you'll see that it plays out there too that it's sometimes not helpful (laughs) Like, just take the whole picture into account, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, realize that the system is what it is regardless of who is running that system. If you got rid of all the racists in our systems of power, that does not mean that the system of power itself is not racist anymore. It's not a matter of the person. It is a matter of the institution itself. 
which is why the whole idea of good cops just it doesn't exist but like i said not getting to police brutality in this one it's another another matter i don't even know if i'll do an episode on it because i feel like a lot of people have already touched on all the important points they've said all that needs to be said but yeah thanks for joining in um do let me know if i should just quit this because that's okay my feelings won't be hurt (laughs) i'm fine with keeping all the thoughts in my head maybe i'll record it and just not post it you know but yeah um instagram is maggie on mars it's also my twitter but I, i don't really use my twitter so i mean i use it but there isn't much activity there so okay well thanks for listening i don't really listen to pol- like to podcasts in all honesty so i don't know how people end these things i don't even know if i did it right but i'll start listening to some and see so yeah thanks okay bye